quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and today I have a fabulous guest. I actually met our guest through a GIFU leadership program that I had been a part of, and he was one of our mentors. Jazz works in research development at the Ravensbourne University London as a research fellow in technology enhanced learning and more recently on the ethics of metaverse development. He is a curriculum designer for London Mayor's course upskilling architect and construction workers in collaboration, collaborative innovative skills in 3D and virtual reality production. His major work at Ravensbourne has been a futurist in trans forecasting in the European creative sectors, as well as participatory design in innovative wearable technologies for international space station astronaut training and future manned Mars missions. Jazz has spent the last 10 years as a business coach on purpose and impact for 100 women international entrepreneurs. And in 2001, he was a TEDx presenter at the University of Twenty in Netherlands, where he looked at the role of mental health in diversity, creativity, and innovation. Welcome to the show, Jazz. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Deborah. The TEDx talk was to, to 2021, actually. Oh, 2021. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think Ted existed in 2001. Oh, my goodness. No, they didn't, actually. Um, so what I wanted to dive into, because we met through the program, but what fascinated me is when I listened to your TED Talk, I watched it again just prior to this interview, and I just want people to understand that your journey, that there was a self-realization that shifted you to become the person you are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that it probably began in earnest um, at the turn of the century. Um, literally, it sounds like a long time ago, turn of the century, but that was around 2000. Um, and I got a long background as a scientist working in computing and a bunch of other things, but I had also uh, gone into looking at the, the brain, the mind, I was very interested in astronauts and how they um, behaved in space uh, in terms of performance. And when I finished my astrophysics degree in the 90s, I decided instead of going to become an astronaut myself to get more interested in the brain. So my master's degree was studying the brain. And Mm -hmm. I want to look at how people's brains operated um, for mind, body, health, but also for performance as well. And it took me to learning about martial arts and understanding how for thousands of years people had worked with the mind to get the highest levels of performance and accomplishment for human beings, whether it's in Indian forms of medicine like Ayurveda or yoga or Chinese systems. And I wanted to find a way of getting that out to people in the world and blending together 
the Western approach to helping people improve their performance, which is kind of based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the Eastern approaches that we see in places like China and India. So there's a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion, but it's funny how a lot of the Western measures for people's performance, psychometrics and things, they're very much based on Western systems of thinking mm. around psychology, but they don't integrate thinking of therapy or working with the mind from other cultures. So around 2000, um, I realized that there was a need for a development approach which was diversity respectful and could take into account models from the West as well as the East. And um, it needed to be able to work on its own without me being there. <laughs> um, so I created some software, a platform, and um, everything kind of took off from that point, really. Um, I realized I was on a very different journey now. I wasn't going to become an astronaut exploring outer space. I was going to be much more focused on exploring inner space. And uh, I think it came to a head when I said to somebody once that, the best view of your world isn't from outer space it's from inner space and that got me into coaching and mentoring and helping people in business and um, doing a lot of presentations and talks but also being involved in a lot of projects around the world including that one that you mentioned where we were designing uh, training to monitor the performance of astronauts who were going to go up to the space station and also future uh, manned mars mission so it's been quite a journey going from wanting to become an astronaut myself and then becoming an astronaut but for inner space you know instead of outer space yeah. and at one point you were homeless and you realized that there was this collaborative approach that you need to take to yourself your own mental health your mental fitness can you tell us a little bit about that what what that realization if you can recall how you felt in that moment and how you moved forward from that well it was a very um specific mental shift i went through at that time uh i ended up uh, becoming homeless and i was sleeping behind some garbage cans behind a theater in north london and it was very cold it's february the 23rd in 2008 and um i'd gone to sleep against the metal gate there and um i honestly didn't know freezing i didn't know whether i was going to wake up in the morning and i don't pray to god but in this situation i just said i i prayed that whatever value i had inside of myself that it didn't go to waste you know that it would make some kind of difference in the world and um that's all i wanted and the strange thing about times like that is <laughs> you can have a lot of things that you can lose in your life in a circumstance like that but one thing that always is going to be left with you is the truth about you and whether or not you've been true to yourself and that's what i discovered in that moment i realized what the truth was for me and that was that people could not just be helped by me but they could be um involved in something where they could help each other without me even being there and um the mindset that came out of that was this billionaire mindset which is not the traditional view of money based billionaire mm -hmm. but the idea that um instead of making money while i slept i want to focus on making a difference while mm -hmm. i slept and that didn't mean me helping people one-on-one. -on -one. It meant me taking the idea of, you know, what people say about 
teaching a man how to fish. Instead of teaching one man how to fish and helping him feed himself, I want to teach that man to teach others mm -hmm. so that everybody could be fed. And with that, I thought, given how many occasions I've nearly been killed or died in my life, I need to make myself, uh, take myself out of the equation and build something that would work whether or, whether or not I'm there. And that meant building a software platform which people could discover their value, work mm -hmm. with each other, and ultimately, it wouldn't even need me to be there. People could just help each other through that platform. Mm -hmm. And um, that moment was fairly pivotal, this realisation that I had to make a difference while I slept. Mm -hmm. And it had to depend um, just on people helping each other and not on me actually being present to what was going on. And that, you have to take your ego out of the equation when you do something like that, because you can't be around for people. And But your gift, the value you generate if you can somehow embody that so people can you know capitalize on it and empower themselves through it then that's the best gift that you can probably give the world because especially because it's not dependent on you it'll keep on working long after you've died you know for example so that given how many occasions i came close to death it was really important for me to something to work whether or not i'm there so in the end i did manage to do that and of course you're you're one of the people who's experience that platform working not just on yourself but also together with other people often like I said without me even being there and you know that's a powerful approach and removing the ego I know when when we develop things and create things there's a part of us who would really like people to validate it and get excited about it and at the same time to be able to detach from it how were you able to detach from because it's a remarkable program. And we're going to dive a little bit more into that, the energy diamond coaching and social vitamins. But when it comes to the ego part, what have you done to detach from the outcome or detach from needing that validation? Um, ultimately, it was about looking at what was the outcome I was seeking? And did my ego need to be a part of it? And one thing I've did really come to terms with with what a lot of entrepreneurs and people in the world, you know, seek to, which is to scale their business, to refine their services and products and reach as many people as possible. And I found that when I was working at university, I was working on multi-million euro projects, working with orphans in Romania and refugees in Syria and Gaza camps in Jordan. And one of the things I realized was when I was helping people there to help one another, that if you really want to scale up the difference you want to make, you have to ensure as a matter of um, you know, continuity that things work without you. And they can't depend on you. When thousands of people are in the process of being empowered, you cannot have that empowerment interrupted just because you don't turn up on a particular day because you're ill or something's happened to you or you missed a train, whatever. So mm -hmm. it's a part of the architecture of empowerment um, for helping people at scale that it cannot depend on any one person and it cannot depend on any one group it has to work at a meta level it has to work above um, people's individual dependence and then when you work on projects like that you're working with consortiums you're working with people in local areas in given countries to help them to achieve things so that after you've left they can carry on and yeah, I, it's great to see 
refugees who've been helped into education and get jobs. It's great to see orphans not become state dependent in Romania and get their own education. But the weird thing is, I never met any of them. I know I've helped them, but I've never yeah. met any of them. Wow. It's kind yeah. of a bit hard because I want to be able to engage with those people. But you know what? If you want to make a difference at scale, that sort of thing just can't be part of the equation. You you, you can't do that. And it's it's a bit of a sacrifice. Yeah. But you realise it's a necessity in order for their empowerment to be, first of all, initiated, but more importantly, for it to be sustained. And you know what I find very interesting about that is that when you're taking that out of the equation, but you're also recognizing that in order for that to live on, and I like to refer to the alchemist Paulo Coelho's book, where he says that whatever your work does, it does live on for centuries, the power of word. And I think about the books I have in my library that I might never meet those authors and they may never understand how they've impacted my life. And I know you have impacted my life. So I'm grateful for that. And thank you, Jazz. Because through your energy diamond coaching, I was able to really understand how we have our logical side and our emotional side, you know, of our brains, and how we can leverage it on any given day, knowing what side needed more attention than the other. So I would love for you to talk about the software you've developed and a little bit more about social vitamins. Yeah. Um, well, when I was first coaching people, I realized that they really needed um, three kinds of help. They, they either need to have their strengths supported, they need to have their weaknesses challenged, uh, or they needed some to be having someone as a sounding board. They need some kind of reflection in order for them to make the uh, way up the right things in their life, make the right kind of decisions. And um, it's kind of like your best friends. If you think about it at school, yeah. your best friends will give you support when you need it. All right. They'll challenge you and push you and stretch you when you need it. And they'll last to be, you know, a great sounding board for you as well. And sometimes the same friend can be your support for one day, but it might be challenging the next day, for example. Um, and if you're lucky, you might find all three kinds of help in one person and they become your best friend or they become someone you marry or they do business with, for example. Um, and in a way, those things support, challenge, reflection. If you think about that, we need those things every day. If we, have, if we don't have support for a day, maybe it's not a big deal, but if we don't have support for a, a week, or we've never been supported for months or years, that's gonna cause a pathology in our growth. Just like, just like vitamins. They say that vitamins are things that uh, do you harm when you don't get them. And it's the same thing with support, yeah. challenge and reflection. If you don't get support, challenge and reflection at the right times in the right doses, and from the right sources, then typically you don't get to grow. You don't learn your life lessons and you start showing pathologies in terms of your own empowerment. So it's really important to get those three a day, you know, support, challenge, reflection every day. Some days you need more support, some days you need more challenge, some days you need more reflection. A bit like, you know, when, uh, for example, a woman gets pregnant, she needs to have a change in vitamins. Folic acid, number of other, it's a very different needs at that time. So also in certain times in people's lives, they need a different mix of vitamins, social vitamins. Sometimes they might need more support. They might need more challenge. Maybe it's a time for deeper reflection. They need all three, 
but maybe the proportions just alter depending on the circumstances. And this is what I realized in the end, if I could find what people needed support around, where they needed challenge, where they needed uh, get reflection, they will be able to grow every day and they'll be able to make the best of themselves and not just um, through supporting themselves and challenging themselves and getting reflection for themselves, but more uh, empowering way and more kind of um, uh, altruistic way when they do it together with others. I mean, other people can be a support for you. They can be a vitamin for you in that way. They can be a challenge for you. They can be the source of reflection. Even a book or a piece of music could be a vitamin in that sense. It could challenge you. It could help you reflect. So yeah. social vitamins aren't just things that you get from other people. You can get them for anything in the world. If you just knew what the perfect source of support was on a given day or reflection or challenge, right. you, you would find your vitality, your clarity lifted by getting that nutrient for your life on that day. And the whole energy diamond is really based on people just getting these nutrients, these social vitamins. And as you know, the platform that you've worked with with me, yeah. it discovers what they are for you and says, go get them. Right. And knowing what percentage where, where you're at, and then it matches you with people who would provide that for you. But for our audience right now, uh, listening and or watching us here, um, what is some of the things like you talked to, they could use books. And it really comes down to getting to know yourself, right? Know thyself so that you know what things provide you support or what things provide reflection. Like I journal, so I, I use that reflection part there. But when I can talk to someone and they reflect back to me or I hear a, a phrase in a song that gets me thinking about something about my life, these are what I'm assuming that I can use as social vitamins um, if I was to give somebody right now, what, what could they do if they wanted to strengthen themselves? Well, what would like you recommend? You have the actual vitamins, but then you have a delivery package which enables them to be swallowed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's the same principle here where if you need a vitamin of support, it's all very well having a vitamin of support, but you need a method of delivery for it to get into your life, you know? And that's where the logical intuitive stuff comes in because let's say you've got support, and someone gave you uh, a lot of logic about how to do something, very rational, strategic, and very realistic, but really what you needed was just someone to connect in with your feelings at mm. the intuitive level, then that delivery method just won't work for you. You know, yeah. you needed that So it won't, it won't soak in. <laughs> yeah, it won't get in, right? Yeah. Um, so when you've got the right delivery in terms of mindset, that's what that logical uh, intuitive thing is, it's all very well having the support, challenge and reflection, but if it's not delivered with the right mindset, it's just never going to get absorbed, let alone, you know, give you the nurturing that you need to grow in the way that you need to. Right. So I think that mindset aspect is really important. And um, when you can take a picture of how well someone's meeting their needs and with what mindset they're meeting those needs at the character level, and you can match that to how somebody else is doing that, you might find that someone who's logical if they're paired up with someone else's logical, they can support each other. So if they're very similar, support each other. But unfortunately, people who have the same strengths tend to have the same weaknesses as well. So they're not the best people to challenge you or learn from. They're great to like, but not great to learn from. You need someone who's opposite for you. That You need someone who's got strengths where you've got weaknesses and vice versa. So a logical person would have to be matched with an intuitive person for that learning to happen. And lastly, you need someone to mediate 
the two and that's where you need someone who's got a mix of similar and opposite qualities yeah. a mix of supportive and challenging vitamins if you like and that person uh can offer reflection they'll be able to help you know make sure that you've got the right balance in things too and the software can identify how someone's managing their energies uh logical or intuitive um where they get trying to get support challenge and reflection match that to somebody else and say you two need to get together for support you'll be able to give each other social vitamin support for the day you two will be able to give each other and in some cases if you're lucky it's like i said about friends you might find yourself matched to someone who's both can give you support and give you reflection for example they're a bit of a superfood because they can give you more than one vitamin and that's happened i think you, you might have encountered yes. that when you were doing yeah. the women you found some days there were women who could give you more vitamins you know, than just the one and it meant that you it's more efficient and effective to be working with that one person because you're getting everything from them that you need rather than to go to lots of different people yeah and you know you hear that you know you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most and you should surround yourself with like-minded people but what I also recognize is that challenge is to surround yourself sometimes with people who think differently than you. So you that don't want to be you, in a, you don't want to be in an echo chamber. That's no, <laughs> no. And we need the to get those different. Facebook, but that's all about that. We need a new kind of social media, which doesn't create echo chambers, but creates what I call resonance chambers which allow people to get this support, challenge, reflection through similar, opposite and complementary people. And it ensures that people don't end up reinforcing bad habits, for example, and it ensures that they stretch beyond their current limits, out of their comfort zones, and are able to grow in a mature way, not just for themselves, but also together with others. Very, very true. Because we need to have that stretch in order to grow. And I know when, when I was part of the energy diamond coaching, um, after the 12 weeks, it was, I had realized that I have a logical and emotional brain 50, 50. So that yeah. referred to as the Renaissance mindset, which was very fascinating to me because when I did my Ted talk, I talked about how we can be just like the Renaissance people of Picasso. And, you know, and I thought that was when I, when I heard that, I thought, wow, that that's pretty interesting how. That's your makeup. You're, yeah. you're made up Renaissance vitamins. <laughs> yeah. To be able to, able to shift. And this where is where a lot of emotional intelligence comes in too, is recognizing what another person may need and being able to manage our own emotions, but be able to support or challenge or reflect to other people. It's a collaborative form of growth where you're growing together with others. And this is the difference between people having power and people being empowered. People who are in power, they take strengths and energy um, from others and use that to boost themselves. And people who are empowered, they tend to grow together with others without anything being sacrificed on their part to somebody else. And I think it's a really important difference that if you look at someone who's rich in empowerment, they have the ability to make a difference to other people, um, not just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, as I said, but that empowerment is kind of chain reactive. That once you transfer it over to somebody, if it's real or genuine empowerment, that person will then go and transfer it onto others. 
you don't get that with power. You put someone in power, they're not going to just give that power away to somebody else, typically. You know, so power and empowerment are very different things. And the energy diamond system is very much focused on first, let's get you empowered, like charity. Let's get this begins at home, right? Empowerment. And then let's see if we can get that empowerment to expand beyond you and for it to be a transferable um, asset which and it doesn't lessen you in you giving it away in fact it strengthens you it makes you brighter and more uh you know um radiant in terms of your energy to know that you transferred something and they became empowered and they passed it on a bit like how someone uses a match um and they light up a match off your match in the process of doing that lighting up for a brief moment you your your light becomes brighter okay and but you don't lose anything of your light in fact in that moment you gain a bit of light and that person walks away with their own little match and they can start their own fires and other people can start their own things from that too and that's the kind of empowerment i'm talking about you, you never diminish it in giving it away or sharing it you only become brighter and more empowered in the process yourself and that's it, i in being a part of that, I was able to experience a lot of that. And I also noticed when we had those, when you have your own tough day and recognizing where you need to have those extra boosts. And when we had those snapshots of every day, we referred to them as the mental selfie, right? Not taking the camera, but a mental selfie of how we're doing on any given day. And it was able to show us with light and color um, where we needed that support. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the mental selfie and how it helps predict future outcomes. Yeah, well, in, in a nutshell, it's a bit like looking at the weather on TV um, where the weather band shows you a satellite picture and you see the clouds moving and everything else like that. And it's all based on numbers and actual measurements out in the field. But then the scientists use it to create this animation showing you the clouds, showing you, oh, look, rain's coming or oh, sun's coming, get ready. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do something like that for the weather of the person, a person's mind? You know, what would it be like if we could take a photograph of like, someone's mind and see their weather moving around, their moods and, you know, their inspirations and their strengths and their weaknesses? So in, in a way, I just did that. I, I asked people some questions about how well they were meeting their needs for themselves and others. And I took those scores and I laid them out in rows and in a really simple paint by numbers way, I turned them into colors. Now, it doesn't require technology to do that. I could just have a piece of paper and put their scores down on the piece of paper and use some paints that correspond to the colors uh, of those scores. You know, maybe red for low scores and blue for high scores and maybe yellow or green for average scores. And I could just paint that on that piece of paper and you would have a selfie of your in that one picture, the big picture of your life, uh, it'll be right there. And this can be done without any algorithms or anything. It, it, yeah. it should be done as a, like holding a mirror up and you're just painting it down a piece of paper through a paint by numbers kind of way. And all I did was I just converted that into a, a software where you answer a questionnaire and behind the scenes, the numbers are laid out and turned into a, a kind of heat map, a color heat map. And that color heat map is effectively a selfie of your mind now it's great to look at yourself in the mirror and maybe notice you've got if you're a restaurant you've got some spinach stuck in your teeth and you realize that's out of place 
and oh. you take it away. You don't adjust your hair or change your trousers. You adjust what's out of place. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back into a restaurant and people stop laughing at you, you know? And it's the same thing with your mind. If you just know what's out of place and you can see it, then you can adjust it. And then when you go back out, you might find that people just treat you differently <laughs> as a consequence compared to before, where they thought you might be a bit, bit weird and didn't know what was going on. So the selfie is really an attempt to take a snapshot of your mind so you can see what's out of place, what needs adjustment. And then once you've made that adjustment, you find that when you go back into the world, things just feel more right. You feel like you belong a bit more than you did before. You feel like you're more right in yourself when you do that. And just having one snapshot, one selfie is great. But when it gets really amazing is when you take that one snapshot and like stills in a uh, film strip, if you join them together and run it like a film strip, you can watch all those colors shift, just like the weather that you see on TV. You can make, because it's all based on numbers, you can make forecasts. You can say this person's about to crash in their physical well-being, or this person's begin to rise in terms of their intellectual uh, self-actualization, for example. So you can make forecasts and the technology can then say to you, you know what, today, the center of gravity of your needs should be on maybe working on your own emotions or maybe it should be helping other people with their thinking and by working with the right energy you're, you're taking advantage of your weather and you're making the best use of your energy and you're respecting probably one of the most important laws there is in the universe which is the law of conservation of energy whoever is able to conserve their energy the best the universe always gives advantage to and favor to those who waste their energy <laughs> typically they become extinct right but people who make best use of their energy they're the ones who tend to make the biggest difference in the world not just an impression but they can make an impact you know right so that conservation of energy make and you know you talk about that there's some resistance, right? So whatever works in the most aligned way meets the least resistance. But when people are facing resistance, how do they overcome some of those challenges? Well, what you said about resistance, I think is probably one of the most important things. Um, I've said before that if you could reduce coaching or mentoring down to one principle, I said that it's simply about removing your unnecessary challenges. And when you've removed all your unnecessary challenges, you're just left with the necessary ones. Right? And then you've got to work on those. But often what people get a lot of resistance from is their unnecessary challenges. And they wouldn't have that resistance if they knew that that challenge was a necessary one. You know? And unfortunately, a lot of us don't know what those unnecessary challenges are. They're hidden. Yeah. They're I was going to say, can you give us an example of what one might look like? <laughs> Yeah, an example might be just how you talk to someone. Maybe you want to talk to them um, about, you're confronting them about the truth of a situation, but you're afraid of conflict. And um, you know that it's a necessary challenge, but you're not inclined to um, go and address it. And the result is you end up with an unnecessary challenge where you've left something unattended. It's going to grow as a problem. And then the re result in the end is your energy <laughs> is going to get wasted in just dealing with all the stress of not having dealt with that issue. <laughs> you generated an unnecessary challenge as a result yeah. of not attending to a necessary one. <laughs> and we see that a lot in interpersonal time. relationships, in teams. Oh my God. 
in organizations, it's businesses. It's the biggest waste of energy and life in people. Yeah. Where they fail to address the necessary challenges. And as a consequence, they accumulate all these unnecessary challenges that just drain their energy and disempower them. And, and there's a difference, and maybe you can correct me, but is there, there's a difference between protecting your energy and conserving your energy. Yeah, very much so. Um, because if you're protective, you can be quarantining it. Okay, mm. you can you can try and hold on to it. And really, life at the grandest of scales is actually about the exchange of energy. It's it's about boundaries, certainly, but fundamentally, conservation of energy is about managing your boundaries. It's about knowing what you're doing that honors yourself and what you're doing that dishonors you. And typically, when you have the right kind of authentic self-respect, you will have boundaries and you'll allow things in and you'll, you'll allow things out as well. And if you do it right, if you allow the right kind of energy in and the right kind of energy out and keep hold of the right kind of energy, then that is conservation of energy. You're, you're, you're managing the energies in order for you to stay empowered. That's what it's fundamentally about. If you're not managing the energies in a way where you are staying empowered, that you're constantly experiencing disempowerment, then you, you know, if you look at it from a, a natural climate change perspective, people talk about conservation projects all the time or conservation areas, right? And that's the same thing. How, how often do we take those principles to do with conservation to actually manage conservation of our own energy, our own resources? How often do we use it to manage our inner climate change? You know, we don't do that. And I think if everybody did that for themselves, maybe the planet would be in a better place, you know? Very true. And one of the things that I realized during the coaching as well is when it came to understanding how we're managing our energy, you would talk about past, present, and future. And to recognize some of those unnecessary resistance can be by replaying past events that have been unresolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that most people in the world are fundamentally trying to do, ultimately, on a day-by-day -day basis, if not ultimately for their lives, is they're looking to have a life that has freedom in it. And freedom, you can have freedom if you have free will and you have the ability to exercise it, right? Now, if your will is, here's the thing, most people's free will, it isn't actually free, <laughs> free to act, okay? Their will is chained to things from their past, baggage. It's chained to their commitments for their future that they haven't yet worked with. It's chained to things that are around them that are taking away their energy and stopping them from staying aligned to what's really important for them. And so long as that's going on, it means that that person's energy is where they can act on their authentic intentions. Now, as soon as they release the baggage, the energy that's locked up in it, it comes back to the present. It comes back to that where that person is. And as soon as they activate their future, instead of just letting things sit on the shelf, again, the, that is a return on that investment. It comes back to you in the present. And all the energy returns back to you in the moment. Now, when you clear all your distractions away from the present as well, that's it. There's three sources of energy where previously the energy was frozen, it was locked up. And now it's just like when people talk about, you know, investments, they talk about 
liquidating their funds or frozen assets. Same sort of principle. You have frozen assets all over time. Frozen assets in your past. Frozen assets in your future. Frozen energy in the present. As soon as you liquidate that energy and you, you break, uh, process it and deal with it and bring closure to your past and you get your future to start working for you and you start allowing yourself to have a flow in the present, then you have a flow, literally, because it's liquid, in the present. And when you start having that flow of energy in the present, and you've got more energy in the present, physics says, if you've got more energy, you will find that you have more gravity. You have more gravitas to your character. You start developing a field around you that pulls things in towards you that are in alignment with who you are. And the moment that you do that, you're also making a bigger dent in the universe at that point as well, <laughs> all right? And you find that you are no longer just making an impression on the world, you're actually making an impact that generates ripples out into the world. So when you manage your energy from the past, present and future, and you exercise conservation of energy principles so that you can sustain your empowerment and your vitality, the result is over time that, it leads to an incremental increase in your gravitas in your field of influence and you'll find things just turn up for you because nothing's getting in the way for a change and people look at you like if you're casting some kind of magic spell and things just happen for you and that probably aligns a lot with what people talk about when they mention things like a millionaire mindset for example it's about clearing the crap out so that the real treasure is able to be capitalized on for your empowerment and also making a difference beyond yourself uh, out there in the world. Because yep, the show is all about helping people live rich from the inside out. And yeah. one of the discussions that we've had in the past, and when you say that everything's being attracted to you and people can't figure out why, we talked about synchronicity, serendipity, how those things happen. And I love the, the synchronicity and you know, someone, um, I think it's Deepak Chopra, who talks about synchro destiny, it, like the people that you meet, the places that you end up going to, you were meant to be there, right? And how there's that alignment in the universe. So I would I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your viewpoint of synchronicity. Well, when you sort out your past, present and future, and you get alignment with yourself, um, and you start generating that field around you, then that alignment naturally um, leads to the universe, the fabric of space and time in the universe, it starts to adjust. And it adjusts according to what alignments are going on. Okay, so if you've got into alignment, guess what? The consequence will be that you, beyond yourself, will come into alignment to other things that are coming into alignment. All right, you'll actually move away from the things that are out of alignment. <laughs> Okay, so you can imagine if everything comes into alignment, right, then resistance disappears. The moment you have a thought, it just comes into the world and manifests. The moment you have a thought about needing certain kind of help, then whatever there is in the universe that's aligned to that, just aligns with that. And that person turns up to help you. And this isn't some magical, you know, touchy-feely, woo-woo nonsense. There's some real physics behind it. And what you talked about in terms of synchronicity is, you know, one part of it. When I was 
helping you know with you and the other women i mentioned that when you clear up things from your past there are two things that could happen that you'll see as an effect of that millionaire kind of minds of that alignment thing going on one is that things that were once separate from you in space they're they're with you in the same time but they're located somewhere else okay they start coming together into the same space like a puzzle yeah and they coincide okay all right now when they coincide and they're in the same space okay people often call that a coincidence it's coinciding becoming but that's when two things come together in the same space now they're in the same space but maybe they're completely different times you know Maybe two people come to the same space. One person comes in it one year, another person comes in it the following year, but they didn't come at the same time, all right? right? So the opposite of that is when two things happen at the same time, but they happen in completely different spaces. So two people could come up with an invention at the same time, but they could be in different parts of the world, okay? And that means that what happened, there was a synchronization of those two events, all right? And that's synchronicity. So chronicity is to do with time and synchronicity is to do with two things in time happening together, right? So whenever two things happen together in the same time, even though it could be in different spaces, that's a synchronicity. Whenever two things happen in the same space, but at different times, that's a coincidence. Now you do get occasions where something happens at the same space at the same time. That is serendipity. That's what people typically call luck. Right. right. So one of the things that we noticed when people were doing this work with past, present and future and uh, aligning energy into the present is that when th things start coming towards you in space and towards you in time. And when you get something happening where something comes towards you in space, you experience a coincidence. When you have something coming towards you in time, you experience a synchronicity. Now, when you get both happening at the same time, same place, then you've got serendipity, okay? So one of the consequences of working with energy in this way, this conservation of energy practice, is first you start seeing synchronicities and coincidences. You might see an increase in them until eventually they're all combining and you're finding that the very things that you're looking for that are in alignment with you just turn up. They're serendipitous events, not just synchronicity and coincidence, but both of them together in the same time, same place where you are. And that serendipitous event, other people might look at you and go, oh, that's just luck. He has all the luck in the world. Right. But it isn't. It's alignment. It's inner alignment, then inner alignment aligned with outer alignment. When you get those two things happening, that's when stuff just happens that happens to be in alignment with who you're trying to be and what you're trying to do. So... When I think about that alignment, I think about, you know, when people say, well, my idea is not that great. I have this idea to do something and they, they prevent themselves from following through. And this is when, you know, you often hear people say that if an idea has come to you and you're passionate about it to follow through with it, because you never know how it ignites someone else's path that they needed to hear a message from you or they needed to receive your product or service or something like that to have that their own synchronicity, their own Midas touch moments that everything seems to be in alignment. Yeah, and you know what? It's not always about money. I use, I use a different word because I found over the years that richness can come from many different sources. 
And um, every kind of thing that contributes to genuine enrichment, as opposed to being rich on the outside, it's being rich on the inside, is alignment ultimately to the kind of mindsets that we're talking about. Um, That kind of um, alignment, you just don't see anywhere else. And ultimately, um, it's something that it triggers something in the universe. It, it triggers a shift, a kind of, um, I don't know how you put it into English. I would say it, it triggers some kind of um, elevation in potential. Mm, right. Gotcha. The, the worst thing is for a person to have lots of potential, but for it never to be realized. And that would be the saddest thing. <laughs> I know. And you, I see so many people, and I've had this experience myself, where I'm conscious I've got a lot of potential, but it's not being realized. You know, it's not bringing value to the world, hidden, buried inside of you, because you, you're not doing anything to mine that and bring that up to the surface. Right. You know? So I think my biggest calling, I think, has been about that. It's about if I know there's treasure under the ground, I could just get a shovel and start digging there, all right, in the hope that I might find some diamonds, all right. And if I'm lucky, I might I might hit a strike, you know. But a better way of doing it would be maybe use satellite imagery, maybe do some soil samples and do some things like that. And that was look at the plants; they indicate anything. And then over time, you learn how to spot where to go digging, and you learn oh. Shovel isn't going to do it. You need a digger for this, you know. You need a drill. Need a drill. <laughs> and it's, it's the same thing with people. You yeah. could just you could just mind them when if you're a coach, you could mind them when the client just turns up and you start having a conversation with, them and you try and work with whatever they show up with. Or you can go, you know what? Just don't talk. Let me get a satellite image of you. Let's look around the terrain and see what else is going on, and see if we can spot some telltale signs of where the treasure is. And let's go mining there with the right tools. Right. You know, and you're going to get richer a lot quicker that way. <laughs> and that's what energy diamond coaching does. Exactly. Yeah. It provides yeah. you the mining tools to mine yourself and bring out the treasure that's buried inside of you so that that potential isn't just, you know, hidden and unrealized, but it's brought to the surface. And then you can take it to the right market. And you'll get a right price for it, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and it and it will create that richness in your life. And again, the the show is, you know, unnecessarily about money. We do have people on the show about money, but it's truly about developing that richness, exposing that potential to the world. Um, we're coming near the end of the interview, and I have some couple standard questions I love to ask. I would love to learn, Jazz. What is one book that has had a significant impact on your life? Um, if I look back at the things that especially enable me to focus on things like conservation of energy, but they use different language or alignment and um, honouring yourself um, and working with the right tools, I think it's probably, um, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People um, uh, by Stephen Covey. I remember first reading that and going, this is this is like a, a guy from the mining company saying, all right, if we're going to go dig for treasure, here's a strategy. <laughs> you 
Now, the thing is, <laughs> mining for diamonds, very different from mining for oil, okay? True. Very different from mining for, you know, a coal. It all, all requires similar technologies, but there's different kinds of processing uh, needed and different kinds of things to look for, uh, depending on what you're mining for, right? So if you're mining for yourself and you're trying to improve your personal life, that requires one set of tools and one kind of approach. But if you're trying to mine a team for its creativity, for the sake of innovation and for improving the revenues of your business, that requires a different set of tools, right? But the underlying principles of mining remain the same. You know that you're going to be going through various kind of stages. There's going to be a survey you know, phase at the beginning, right? Then you're going to do some test drills, all right, and check out what's really possible, right? And then if it's you know feasible enough to invest in it, knowing you're going to get a decent return, then you, you send in the big equipment and you know the major workers who are going to get it out of the ground, and it's it's very similar to that. You know you you've got to you've got to look at the way things are processed, the way things are valued, and the way things are disseminated and ultimately transferred over over to others, and you'll find that. If you, if you know what the core principles are, then all it's really a matter of is um, bringing the right tools at the right time with the right people. And you will go from having a bare patch of land to having diamonds in your hand. It will happen. And if you do it in a conservation of energy practice, what you will do is it will be environmentally friendly. <laughs> You won't wreck the landscape in the process. Right. And and it's important, again, to take away those unnecessary resistance along the way so that you can have that conservation of energy. Yeah. They have to have respect for the environment that you're in. And that environment could be a natural environment. It could be the environment of a family. It could be the environment of a team. It could be the environment of some shop workers. Or it could be environment of politicians. You know, you have to understand your environment before you go mining in it, because um, in the end, there's going to have to be some cleanup and some boundary <laughs> management when it comes to spill-offs and any toxic side products that could be as a consequence of doing that kind of mining. <laughs> Absolutely. What does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Um, this thing about, I said, being a billionaire, not being about making money while you slept, but making a difference while you slept, that's it for me. If I can make it, including to myself, if I can make a difference to myself while I sleep, that that's enrichment, you know, happening in a way where I don't even need to be, um, you know, monitoring it and making sure that it's being managed. And that's the best kind of enrichment, the kind that doesn't need monitoring or management. <laughs> It's just natural. And if you can cultivate it as an asset, as a resource, okay, then you ultimately are going to stay rich and not end up having some kind of, you know, um, a collapse uh, within yourself that leads you to lose all your potential. Um, so I think that's really important that if you want to stay rich on the inside, you, you have to do that. Fabulous. Now, Jazz, how can people stay in touch with you? How can they, you know, do some energy diamond coaching so they can have that experience of the mental selfie, social vitamins? 
Well, in the spirit of the social vitamins, you know, where it's about connection first before collaboration, right? Because you can't really collaborate with people unless you have a decent connection with them, you know, a sustained connection with them. You can't have conversations with people, certainly, if you've not got a sustained connection with them, a kind of good connection. So I think before people work with me, either as individuals, as teams or, you know, organisations, I always say, you need to build a connection with me first before I even do any work with you. And it's never just me doing work with them, on them. It's always a mutual thing. Empowerment is that thing which, where one person grows, the other person grows too. So it's important for my own growth that the people I work with are ones that um, I'm gonna work with in such a way that the empowerment and the growth is mutual. If, if there is a mutual growth, then it's not the right kind of connection, basically. And you might think, well, as a coach, shouldn't you just be focused on your clients? And I said, no, I'm not working with that. I'm working with the ultimate relationship that it, it you know, supports and respects conservation of energy. That's what I'm working with. And I know that the universe at large looks at me and goes, well, if he's respecting the law of conservation of energy, we'll, we'll let him become an agent for transformation of energy. And this is what's really interesting. I think the, the most empowering and inspiring people I've met are the ones who are amazing in how they work with conservation of energy. And one of the kind of qualities you see of people like that is they have a grace to them. They just need, they just seem to be so centered and they know how to move from one position of energy to another position of energy. And that's grace. And eventually grace sustained like that becomes an experience of beauty. And, you know, we talk about millionaire mindsets. I think if we take away the, the, the money aspect of it and just relabel it as a resource, okay, mm-hmm. those people who know how to transform energy can transform what they do with money. Most people know that, you know, energy, money is just another form of energy. They talked about it, right? But energy is just another form of money. That's the other way you can look at it, you know? So if you work with it like that, and you manage your finances, energetically speaking, all right, you won't get into debt, <laughs> you'll, you'll get rich, and you'll also be able to be a philanthropist and help other people with their richness too. That's kind of what I feel you're doing, if you think about it. And that's because a resource, a genuine resource, is something that connects you to source. It reconnects you to source. It's a resource. You're resourcing. If it genuinely resources you, then it's something that is the best kind of energy. You know, money doesn't always resource you. No, it doesn't. Right? Sometimes it's useful, sometimes it isn't. But there are other things that resource you better in a given situation. Now, what I ask people to do is do a reframe to do with money and think of it as one form of energy. But if you really want to transform, you might need a variety of energies, all that link you to source. You can't go wrong if whatever you're connecting to, connect, uh, whatever you're doing connects you into the source of your power and your energy and your ability to transform. That is the most valuable commodity there is. Someone who's highly resourceful, all right? They're full of a, that connection to their source and what can be gained from it, okay? So think of money first from the perspective of a resource then think of what can that resource manifest as it could be money 
It could be people's time or their expertise. It right. could be a lesson. Um, but it could, don't limit yourself just to thinking of a resource as being money. Otherwise, you're going to lose out all the other kind of riches there are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to put the links in the show notes as well to um, your profiles where people can stay connected with you. And also we can put the energy diamond and they'll send it, they usually send you a message first so that they can build some of that connection. Is that correct? Yeah, connect to me on Facebook, connect to me on LinkedIn, have a conversation, make that connection. All right. And then we'll see um, or from that point onwards, you know, what unnecessary challenges do you have that we need to work with? Let's free up your energy and let's get that synchronicity and coincidence roller coaster going and see, you know, what kind of resources will ultimately help you to get rich on the inside and eventually on the outside. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Jazz, for spending this time with us and discussing my favorite subjects of synchronicity and uh, really opening our eyes and our ears to mining that potential and knowing that we must go into that inner space. So thank you very much. Any final words of wisdom that you want to leave with us? I think all I'll say is um, if there's one thing that's become a motto for me, it's to live the truth that gives you life. You can live a truth which is, is true, but it's harsh and it makes you want to slash your wrists, you know, because it's so depressing because of the reality of it. But then there's other kinds of truth which the Tibetans say are more powerful, and that is linked to compassion. Genuine compassion enables you to work with truth in a way that gives you life. Okay, so what I would suggest to people is, by all means, work with the truth, but work with it in a way that gives you life. Work with the truth that gives you life. You're only going to become wiser as a consequence and more alive as a consequence. So every day, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help myself to work with the various truths around me and work with the ones that are going to give me life and make me feel alive so that I can keep doing what I'm doing. And also help other people to do that too and help them become more alive, but still they stay true and stay congruent to who they are and be authentic. So it really comes down to that. It's about living the truth that gives you life. That's what I learned out of that day when I was homeless. I came out, you know, I said I was lost everything, but I was still left with the truth. And the truth that I was left with was the truth that gave me life. And that got me out of that situation and got me to where I am today. You've had quite the journey and I just so appreciate your time today, sharing that with us and tapping into our resourcefulness, tapping into connection and collaboration to really make an impact in this world. Thank you so much, Jazz. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you everyone for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. I'd love for you also to pop over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. That's Kazowski with a S. www.debrakazowski.com. And you can go over there and get your 10 page reset your mindset PDF document for you to get on track when you need to. As well as Mahama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world and go out and make today great. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.